This is Nursing Australia, proudly brought to you by APNA, the Australian Primary Healthcare Nurses Association. Welcome back to another edition of the Nursing Australia podcast, the podcast for nursing and healthcare professionals right across Australia and evidently across the world as we gain traction in European and Asian audiences. So thank you so much for those who are joining us. Now on with the episode, this is the 49th installment of Nursing Australia. We are tackling weight stigma, getting inside careers in mental health. We give you the latest healthcare news and capture highlights from Australia's premier nursing event. This episode is proudly brought to you by Migraine Australia. Now let's step inside our heads for a moment. Let's pause and ponder. I have a question. Am I guilty of weight stigma? Is it possible that our own preconceptions about people in larger bodies are skewing our ability to objectively practice and deliver that all too important person-centered care? Well, this episode, we'll meet Rhiannon, who's an accredited practicing dietitian, to chat to us exactly about that weight stigma. We know weight bias and weight stigma are components of the way that people receive and seek out healthcare. It can show up through, you know, unsolicited advice. It can be present in the media. And it also shows up in those really unintentional, subtle ways through our environment. Coming up later in this episode, getting inside mental health, we catch up with the guys from Headspace to chat about handy tips for engaging with patients experiencing mental health challenges. And we also find out how Headspace encourages and supports young health professionals to enter the mental health space. How do we sit and listen? And I always say that we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. You know, sometimes we've just got to listen doubly as hard. And finally, throughout this episode, you will hear highlights from the APNA Conference Roadshow, which has been trekking across the countryside all this year. It's excellent meeting people that are from similar sectors really so yeah it's good connections the guest speakers are really really good and there's a lot of resources here that i'm able to take back to the uni we are heading to canberra gold coast and sydney they're still on the agenda if you want your tickets uh click the link in the show notes so enough of the babbling from me let's get on with the show uh, it's time for the latest in healthcare news with mitch wall and as always thank you for listening to nurse in australia nurse practitioners clap back abortion inquiry, and is a four-day work week for nurses in the pipeline? This is Nursing Australia News. Hello, I'm Mitch Wall. Nurse practitioners are incensed by the AMA's calling for current collaborative arrangements between NPs and doctors to be retained. The AMA last week raised concerns in its submission to a government review, arguing that any move to enable nurse practitioners and midwives to practice outside of the current arrangements will increase the risk to patient care. They say there's potential for more missed or wrong diagnosis, increased fragmentation of care and greater duplication of diagnostic and other services. The Greens have established a new Senate inquiry to look at how easy or hard it is for people to access abortion service and contraception in Australia. The inquiry is particularly looking at those living in regional or remote areas. The Federal Senate has voted in favour of a Greens motion with a report due back at the end of March 2023. 
in Australia, abortion services are provided predominantly, if not almost entirely, in the private sector, which means if you need an abortion, you have to pay. And that means you might need to find, let's say, $500 for a simple first trimester procedure. But a lot of Tasmanian women still fly to Melbourne to get an abortion. And finally, the Victorian branch of the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Federation in their submission to a federal parliament Senate committee has called for a one-day reduction in the working week or a four-day week instead of the usual five. So welcome to the APNA Conference Roadshow for 2022. Best part of being a nurse? Um, driving changes in healthcare, being awesome. Worst part about nursing? Vomit... Exudate, smelly things, lots of smells. Thank you. My name's Gail Karina and I'm a practice nurse at UFS Medical in Ballarat. What do you love about it? I love helping people, having them come in with whatever problems and being able to help them and being able to see them go home happy. Ever heard of the term weight stigma? Weight stigma broadly refers to stigma that's associated with patients or people, persons that are in larger bodies. Nursing Australia decided to ask the question, do we, do our preconceptions about people in larger bodies prevent us from delivering truly personal patient-centred care as clinicians? Recently at the APNA Fremantle Conference Roadshow, Nursing Australia's producer Leith caught up with Rhiannon Dick, who's an accredited practising dietitian, who chatted to us exactly about this weight stigma and discussed her project, The Healthy Weight Initiative. Hi Lee, my name's Rhiannon. I am the program coordinator of the Healthy Weight Project at WA Primary Health Alliance. It's been really great to talk about some work that we've been doing on in the space of healthy weight and weight management in general practice and have been able to talk about a new initiative we've been working on to support how weight management is delivered in primary care. So we know that weight bias and weight stigma are really important components of the way that people receive and seek out healthcare, particularly in the area of weight management. So essentially, weight bias is defined as the attitudes and beliefs one holds about a body, whether it's your own body or another body, due to weight, size or shape. And this is often, you know, in that negative kind of light and framed towards larger bodies. And so weight bias then directly can impact and result in weight stigma. And then that can lead into, you know, those discriminatory actions, whether they are intentional or unintentional, against people in larger bodies that can lead to exclusion or inequities. So we know that weight stigma is an almost daily experience for people of higher body weight and it can both be obvious and subtle. So it can show up through, you know, unsolicited advice regarding diet, weight or exercise. It can be present in the media, so languages and images perpetuating these stereotypes, you know, headless images of larger bodies or focusing on what people are doing wrong. And it also shows up in those really unintentional, subtle ways through our environment. So, for example, chairs with arms. So, you know, quite often we have um, chairs with arms in a clinic waiting room, but this can be really challenging for people in larger bodies because, you know, these kind of chairs don't accommodate for a diverse range of body types and it can signify to them that they are not welcome here, that they do not belong. So it's really important that we are aware of these things. But then, you know, there's weight stigma in healthcare as well. So 
a lot of research has shown that a variety of health professionals including students so for example doctors nurses and a variety of allied health professionals have implicit and explicit weight bias uh, attitudes towards people with obesity and that's particularly from a recent systematic review by some local researchers at Curtin University Lawrence and colleagues that was released last year in 2021 and so then these biases you know they show up as stigma in healthcare so Health professionals can show less respect and less patient-centred communication towards patients in larger bodies. They may differently allocate their time with these patients and it can result in misdiagnosis and misidentification of health issues due to just seeing weight as the issue or not, you know, screening further, which can be really harmful. At Migraine Australia, we understand that managing migraine can be tough for you and your family. That's why we have created a series of English, Arabic and simplified Chinese fact sheets exploring migraine management, phases and symptoms of migraine, migraine types and how to find support. Migraine Australia supports people living with migraine. To find out more about how Migraine Australia can support you, visit www.migraine.org.au. Time to jump inside or get inside mental health. Most of us would be familiar with Headspace as an organisation. Now, these guys are drivers in ensuring young Australians are supported in their mental and physical health. Now, key to their success to date is attracting health professionals, particularly early career professionals, into the mental health space. Jeremy is a regional manager for WA Headspace, rolling out the program which targets graduates from nursing and allied health professions to encourage and support them into stepping into a career in mental health. Jeremy caught up with Nursing Australia's producer, Leith Alexander, at the recent APNA conference in Fremantle and came armed with some handy tips for engaging with patients experiencing mental health challenges. Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm the regional manager for the early career program for Headspace National. Uh, I've been a part of the Headspace team for about eight or nine years and I used to work in centres. So for a lot of people, they know of Headspace, but they don't know exactly who we are and what we do. So Headspace is the National Youth Mental Health Foundation. Um, and we're funded for, through Department of Health to provide early support and mental health support for young people aged 12 to 25. Uh, but we don't just do mental health. So every Headspace centre across the country, and there's now over 150 centres, they are all localised supports and they work on a consortium of services. So every Headspace centre has a bunch of services that all come together within the community to provide supports for their young people. Um, and those supports make up, uh, you know, four key streams. So they do mental health supports, they do general health. So they, you know, a lot of services may have like a GP or a sexual health nurse or things that work out of them. They have alcohol and other drug supports, so specific workers that work out of those centers. Um, and then they also do work and study supports. So yeah, Headspace, big organization. So what's the early career program? So the Headspace Early Career Program is a new program that started to put uh, early career students and graduates from allied health professions, so at the moment it's OT, social work and psych, into Headspace centres and really um, acknowledging and supporting early career graduates to be able to work in mental health, so make sure that they're really supported in things like supervision and all of their like professional learning and development when starting their first sort of role and career in, within in mental health. With that program, what are some of the things that, you know, people working in allied health might learn? 
I think lots of really key learnings when you're first starting out is um, you know, how to have really client-centered focus approach. So whether you're working with young people or working with anybody, how do you really make them feel heard and listened to and really valued and supported I mean, in a mental health and wellbeing space? Um, and then all of the specific clinical strategies around, you know, whether that's like early intervention counseling or brief interventions counseling um, and all of the sort of clinical toolkit that you might have under your belt um, to be the best clinician that you can be. Do you have any practical tips you could give to nurses around Australia who might come across patients with mm. mental health issues that were maybe there for another reason? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of the stuff that we talked about in our session at the end of the day today is, you know, how do we notice signs and symptoms of a young person, you know, or any person that's struggling? Then, you know, what do we do to inquire and how do we inquire sensitively to provide them support? And then the last step is how do we provide support? So notice, inquire and provide is a bit of a model. Um, and there's so many things that, you know, you can do in strategies in that, in that space. Um, and one thing that I really like to lean on is, you know, the right people at the right times, you know, having the right conversations save lives. You know, so much, you know, important work in that. I think, you know, it's really hard as a nurse or anyone who works in primary health care is, you know, when it comes to time pressures, when it comes to stress, when it comes to not having the right, you know, space and place to have those conversations. Um, you know, you might be dressing a wound, you might be taking someone's temperature and doing something else where they might disclose something that's really going on for them. And, you know, it's how to talk to them sensitively in that space. So, you know, a couple of key examples that have come out in a few of the other sessions is how do we sit and listen? And I always say that we have two ears and one, one, one mouth for a reason. You know, sometimes we've just got to listen doubly as hard. And, you know, a lot of nurses in the room acknowledging that we're trained really professionally to solve problems and to treat illnesses. And sometimes we jump to a conclusion or we jump to trying to provide an answer a lot of the time. Um, and if we do that too quickly without having somebody feel validated and, you know, adhered within the experience, you know, it doesn't matter how good support you can provide them um, or the amount of strategies that you've given them before they leave, they walk out of that session feeling like an illness or feeling like an issue. So I think, you know, having the time and space and, you know, where possible is to just really validate that experience and just hear um, what's going on for them. Because, you know, and most people will have this experience within their, within their lives is 99% of the time when you're telling somebody a problem, you don't actually want them to solve it all the time. Sometimes it's just, you know, they have to untangle their thoughts and feelings um, and get it out through their head and down through their mouth. You'd be surprised at the amount of strength and insights and problem solving that people can have, you know, just be able to disclose some of the things that they're going on. But then as an, you know, as an allied health professional is sort of how do we suggest other, you know, other ways and how do we, you know, plan or provide support with that person. So, you know, if it's a young person or any person around, what are some of the supports that you have at the moment? Do you want to access, you know, some supports and finding out what they would like to do in that space? So whether that's, you know, seeing a professional, making a referral to somebody like Headspace or, you know, a community-based provider around getting access to support. Or just, you know, actually getting on your computer, popping out your phone or finding some resources and showing them a couple of different resources that are out there around, you know, if they wanted to start that journey or start that accessing support. One thing that I always say is everybody has their own cans of worms and sometimes they don't really want to open them right now. But if they get to a point, you know, and if we're constantly reminding people that there are supports out there all the time, that's the best thing that we can do because, you know, when they are ready and wanting to, you know, to get support and access support for those, they know where to go. Thanks, Jeremy, for talking to us today. My name's Louise. I've come from Partnered Health Medical Centres. We've got nine medical centres across Perth. What's some sessions you're looking forward to over the next day and a half? 
the chronic disease management one. I'm looking forward to that. I liked the talk from the CEO too and when all the things that he had to say, that was all very interesting and he seems quite enthusiastic and, yeah, sounds like good future plans. <laughs> Did you know APNA holds regular nurse talk events? These are information and networking events where nurses can interact with presenters and have their questions answered. Nurse talks are usually restricted to APNA members, but in October we're opening registration to all nurses for a special nurse talk event on scope of practice and supervision of nursing students on clinical placement. Join us online on Tuesday the 25th of October at 7pm Eastern Standard Time to hear from the APNA Student Nurse Placement Project team, ask your questions, find out more about student nurse supervision in primary health care. Nurse talk events can be added to your CPD record. Just remember to write your reflection. Click on the link in the show notes of this episode to register. Thanks for joining us once again on another edition of the Nursing Australia podcast. Now, coming up in the November episode of Nursing Australia, we revisit immunisation and travel into the endocrinology space to discover central precocious puberty. And don't forget the APNA Conference Roadshow will be visiting Canberra, Gold Coast and finally wrapping up in Sydney very, very soon over the next couple of months. So grab your tickets by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. I'm Matthew Ledger. Thank you so much for joining us once again. And thank you to our episode sponsors, Migraine Australia. At Migraine Australia, we understand that managing migraine can be tough for you and your family. That's why we have created a series of English, Arabic and simplified Chinese fact sheets exploring migraine management, phases and symptoms of migraine, migraine types and how to find support. Migraine Australia supports people living with migraine. To find out more about how Migraine Australia can support you, visit www.migraine.org.au Thanks for listening to Nursing Australia.